Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA, where Theresa, living in downtown Roundtown, decided to post an old family holy Bible to her brother in Maine. The postal worker inquires as to whether there is anything breakable in the parcel. Theresa smiled and then replied, only the Ten Commandments. <laughs> this is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, thanking him for his sacrifice on Calvary, and we look forward to his soon appearing in the clouds. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us as we speak to your people today. We ask that your revelation will flow freely and unrestricted to their minds and hearts and souls, that they may hear your word in this generation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is As It Is in Heaven. Hi, Christy. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good today. The title of our podcast today is As It Is in Heaven. And when we were riding around this week, God brought to our minds that because we have a foretaste of our inheritance, like an earnest or a down payment of what we're going to receive in the new heavens and new earth, we thought we'd just talk about that with people and allow God just to say what he wants on this topic. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting because it seems like when you think about the concept of as it is in heaven, Jesus prays that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the whole focus for a lot of believers is this earth. And we want all these good things to happen because it's about this earth. But the idea is that this earth is a very temporary thing. And God is going to destroy this. And he's going to bring us into the newness of what he creates, which is the new heavens and the new earth. That's not a new concept in the New Testament. In fact, the book of Isaiah describes the new heavens and the new earth in great detail, the things that will be going on. And what I've come to realize is that the closer we get to God, the more we understand his nature, the more we see and sense his desires, which are equal to what happens in the new heavens and the new earth. And so when we see something on this earth that goes against how it really should be and will be in the new heavens and new earth, it feels wrong to us. When we see violence, when we see people being mean to each other, when we see poverty, when we see suffering, when we see somebody sick, we look at those things and we think there's just something about that that's just not right. And that's true because it's not right. It's what is a result of what has happened to the earth because of sin. But what God is wanting to transition everything into is how it is in the new heavens and the new earth. The new heavens and the new earth, there's no more weeping. There's no more crying. There's no more suffering. There's no lack. Everybody has enough. There's love that's abundant between everyone. Even the animals are at peace. It says that the wolf lies down with the lamb. Lions will eat straw rather than eating other animals. And it's peace. It's harmony. It's abundance. The reason that that is the case is because that is an outflow of the manifestation of God. So when God shows up, we see things change. When God shows up, we see abundance, we see healing, we see love, we see peace, we see joy, we see harmony between people, even between animals. That's what God is going for. And what he wants to do is start manifesting that on earth through his people. I think one of the greatest needs 
for many Christians is just perspective. But the only way you can really have God's perspective is have God give it to you. God has to take you out of the natural world and place you on the mountain with him. And once you see things from his perspective, a lot of things that don't make sense from down here begin to become crystal clear. That's right. And what I'm trying to tell you today is that the perspective that we need is not an earthly perspective. You know, you're like an ant in a ditch and you've always been in the ditch and that's your whole world. You've never been outside the ditch. You see the edges of the ditch, but you don't know anything of the world that exists outside your ditch. And we're like those ants. We have lived all the time of our lives in a natural world. A natural world composed of five senses and maybe a spattering of ESP stuff, you know. <laughs> but we don't really get into the spirit very much. And so we don't really understand what's outside the ditch that we're in. We don't understand what's outside this world. But the truth is, there's a lot. Yeah. And stuff that we have no idea about and things that can happen that we don't understand because we don't have the perspective of looking down at the ditch from above like God does. Therefore, what we're talking about today is God, in the big picture, decided from the day that Adam and Eve sinned to destroy this world. Now, if there weren't extenuating circumstances, God would have just burned up the whole thing right then and there. But he understood that Adam entered into Eve's sin because he loved Eve so much. And God thought to himself, says, I made this man to love this woman. And so really, I mean, though he did sin and he's worthy of death, he did it out of love. Adam was the original tragic hero. You know, he did it for love. And Eve mm -hmm. was deceived. Mm -hmm. She didn't come up with this eating of the apple by herself. Right. She was tempted by Lucifer, who was the bright and shining one, the sum of all wisdom, the father of lies. And Eve sinned, but there is a reason that she sinned. And so God, in his infinite mercy and grace, decided to postpone the judgment. And what he did is he sealed up this little scroll, which is the little book, and those names of everybody that should be saved were written within of that little book. And he sealed it with seven seals. And until somebody who was worthy to open that little book, no one could be saved. This is what John was weeping mm. about in the book of Revelation, is that they searched in heaven and hell and everywhere else, and there's nobody that they found worthy to open those seals. And so nobody could be saved, and that mm. was a very sad thing. But when Jesus paid the price on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood for our sins, that price was paid by him. And he alone was found worthy to open the little book. And so the whole thing that God is doing with this creation right now is that he's trying to save people from its destruction. He's trying to save people from hell. Now, the lake of fire and hell was never created for man. It was created for Satan and her demons. It was a punishment that was eternal because those beings are eternal. And Satan is so evil that no matter how much grace, no matter how much mercy, no matter how much time you give her, she'll never become not evil. The minute that you let her out of any prison, she'll be right back at it again. Tempting, killing, destroying, it's just in her. And so since she's eternal and she won't ever change, you have to put her in a place that is 
commensurate with the punishment she deserves. So the first thing to understand is that this present creation, this earth and the heavens that surround it, is going to be destroyed at a certain time. And those who know salvation will be taken out of this universe so they do not suffer the fate that God has decreed for this creation. And that's a beautiful promise that we have. And what God wants is to start that picture now through his people. Because what manifests in the new heavens and the new earth is just the nature of God. So when we invite the nature of God into our lives and into our world and into everything that surrounds us, we start to see those same things manifest. That's why when we pray for someone to be healed, they can be healed because we're living from a new heavens, new earth perspective. When we see someone and realize they're not supposed to be suffering, they're not supposed to be dying, death is a part of this world. But the foretaste is that we can see that that's not how it's supposed to be because when we get into the new heavens, new earth, there won't be. The other interesting thing about the new heavens, the new earth is that Isaiah says that our descendants and our name will continue. And he's speaking specifically to Israel, but he's also, in his broader way, speaking to all of us that the idea of the new heavens and the new earth is not singularity. The idea is oneness. The idea is family. It's interesting that he mentions that your name and your descendants will continue because it would seem like families, children, procreation, all of that is something that is for this earth. And then when we get up to heaven, we're just going to be an individual person standing in the presence of God, and we may work side by side with other people. But what God is creating even now is a bond between people and families and units, whether it's a biological family or spiritual family, more importantly, I think. And when we get into the new heavens, the new earth, we're going to see an expansion of that. We're going to see the abundance of what God means by family, by children, by growth, by multiplication of people. Think about the promise that God gave to Abraham for his descendants. He said his descendants would be like the stars of the heavens. We don't even know how many stars there are in the sky now, beyond counting. The other example he gave was the number of grains of sand on the seashore. How many grains of sand are there on a seashore? Can you even count it? It's infinite. But if that's his promise to Abraham, that that's how many descendants he's going to have, how many of those can actually be born while this earth exists? This earth isn't going to last forever. We're not going to have an infinite number of people on this earth. I believe what God was showing to Abraham was that his line started now in this earth and millions of people would come to be with God through Abraham and through his descendants, through Jesus. Then when we get to the new earth... It's a new earth, and the earth is full of life and full of newness and full of, I believe, procreation. And I believe that we're going to see an abundance of the generations of God, the generations of Israel, the generations of the people that God puts together as divine mates continuing in that place. It's going to be an amazing place of life and birth and newness. And I think that that life and the descendants and the people that he gives us on this earth that he connects us to will continue as we get into the new earth. Exactly. It really has to do with your mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're living in Timbuktu, out in the middle of nowhere, and you've always lived there, it could be bleak. You could be thinking that, wow, my life is really boring, and there's not much opportunity, and there's not much I'm going to do in my life, and I can see that nothing's going to change. However, if you had a ticket to France, all expense paid on a beautiful luxury ship, your perspective changes. You become excited. Suddenly your future is filled with 
wonderful things that you never even imagined yet, but you know they're going to be good. And you tell everybody, hey, I'm going to go to France. You know, that's so cool. I just won this lottery. It's all expense paid. And I don't know much about France, but I've heard it's really, really great. And suddenly you're happy. You're in the exact same physical exactly. place. Mm-hmm. But according to what you believe, according to what you think that your future holds, you can either be really depressed or you can be really excited. That's a really good point. Yeah. And what we're saying to you today is what's coming in the new heavens and new earth that God shall create, the new creation, is France. Mm. And it's a lot better than France. <laughs> and believe me, it's all expense paid. Yeah. And the travel is not that bad. Because <laughs> God just takes you there in a twinkling of an eye. Yeah. And besides, you get a whole new body when you get there that doesn't have any sickness. It doesn't have any flaws. That feels great. So you're in a great place with a great body, with a great God, and everything's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if you have that perspective, which happens to be the truth, your life now changes from dead-end, boring nothingness to everything you ever hoped for and more. That's right. That's a good analogy because if you're planning a trip, if something exciting is coming, you look at brochures, you check things out on the internet, you make your travel plans, you get your airline tickets. When someone comes over to visit your house, you're all excited about where you're going. You show them, look, this is where I'm going. I'm leaving on this day. Here's some pictures of where I'm going to be going. Here, let me show you this video on YouTube that talks about this country. It's amazing because you're so excited about where you're going. And that spreads to the people around you. They look at that and go, wow, that's so cool. I wish I could go. Oh, you can. Anybody can go. <laughs> and that's the way that we need to be living our lives. When we are in the excitement and the joy of what's coming in the new heavens and the new earth, it's going to radiate out of us. It's going to entice other people to it. And we're not going to be able to look at the world the same way. We see the destruction and we see the bad things going on in the world, but we're not overcome by fear. We don't have doubt that God is going to pull through and he's going to make what he said he was going to make. The amazing thing about the new earth is that we will live in righteousness. That's something that Peter said about it. In the new heavens and the new earth, it's all righteousness. And a lot of times you think about righteousness, that we're just going to be sitting piously with robes on, singing Gregorian chants. But righteousness has to do with living by our spirits, in sync with God's spirit, without sin. That's what the life of righteousness is. It's joy and peace, and it's sinless. So living in an environment that's sinless, I don't sin against you, you don't sin against me, there's no sin present anywhere to drag down what God intended, it's going to be a beautiful place. All of that is stuff that we can begin to experience on this earth as we're filled with the Spirit. Because when He fills us with His Spirit and He flows through us, the things of the new earth automatically start to manifest. They automatically start to flow out of us. We have increased righteousness. We have more love. We have more peace. We have more of a picture of what God desires for our lives and the people around us and how he wants us to pray. So that begins now. That's the exciting thing about the new heavens and new earth. We have a foretaste of it. We have a down payment. We have a way that we can step into it right now and start living like we're going to live in the new earth. The truth is that our present existence is a very short time. You know, most of us have anywhere from 70 to 10 years left in our lives. Mm -hmm. And you got to ask yourself, what is worthy to spend your time doing? A lot of people are really caught up in the day-to-day rat race, and they're trying to accumulate stuff. And it's really amazing to me that people spend so much time trying to get houses and lands and cars and bank accounts and 401ks that the minute they die, they're not yours. They're just given to somebody else or to some corporation, maybe remembered 
for a few years by a few people, but that's about it. And now you're on to the next stage of your existence. And God says in the scriptures that that stage consists of a great white throne judgment Mm. where books will be opened of all the things you did in your life and you'll receive reward or loss according to what you did. And then there's another little book that is opened that Jesus has. And if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then God says, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my rest, enter into paradise. I prepared all these things for those who love me and you loved me. Mm-hmm. And I know you because you did the voice of my father. And so I'm really happy to see you come here. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other people who were self-willed and they said, hey, I did all these things for you. It says, no, depart from me because I don't know you. Mm. You didn't listen to my father like I did. You listened to what you wanted to do. You did what you wanted to do when you wanted to do it. And when I asked you to do something for my father, you ignored me. And so they are put over in the bad place. And so whether you had great wealth or whether you had no wealth, what really matters at that time in that place is whether you heard the voice of God and did his will. And this is what I've come to understand in my life. I don't have to accumulate stuff. What I need to do is do my father's will. I need to listen here and obey what he's telling me right now and do that and trust him that he'll take care of everything else. And he does. Yeah, I don't need to accumulate stuff. Now, if God gives me stuff in order for me to accomplish what I need to do, I'm grateful. But I know that the day that I pass away, all my stuff will either be given to somebody, auctioned off, or taken to the dump. And that's a a sobering thought. But I believe, based on the scriptures and based on personal revelation that God has given me, that there is a better place. Mm -hmm. There is a wonderful place, a place of peace and harmony, a place that everything is in right relationship to everything else, a place where people love each other unconditionally with the love of God. Mm -hmm. And that place, there is no sickness, there is no death, there is no want, there is no strife. It is a better place that makes this place look so savage and incomplete that you would never want to put all your wealth here. You want to build up wealth that lasts forever in heaven. That's what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Lay up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. Yeah. I like that the idea is that Jesus knew the people or he didn't know the people. Because the most beautiful thing about the new heavens and the new earth, in my opinion, is the fact that God's dwelling place will be with mankind. God's yes. Shekinah glory will be on people. The reason we have to know Jesus to be able to step into his Father's kingdom is because we become one with God. We can't become one with him if we don't belong to him. But if we do belong to him, his presence is with us. His life is in us and with us and through us. There's no um, separation between us and God. There's a constant connection. And that's a beautiful thing when you think about it. We know God. We hear God. We move with God. We flow with him. He flows through us and we flow in him. But the exciting thing about that is that also can begin on this earth. That's the whole point of him sending his spirit. That's the whole point of this tabernacle move of divine love coming on this earth is we are supposed to be stepping into a oneness with God that allows us to sense him all the time, to flow with him all the time, to hear him all the time, to be able to move where he wants us to move and do what he wants us to do. And that represents 
the picture of what the new heavens, the new earth is going to be like. We're living in God, with God. His glory is on us. I mean, that's amazing when you think about it. So there will be no lack. There will be no pain. There will be no suffering. There will be no sadness. It's just going to be a joy and a peace of living in the presence of God and all the goodness that comes from that. We're living in an age of revelation. The age of teaching and Bible study and everything like that is so last century. It's not that it's not profitable at all. It's whether or not God calls you to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I went to five years of Bible college, and I tell you, I learned more in months being with God than I ever learned mm-hmm. sitting on their teachers that were talking about Leviticus. We are a generation who lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Like Jesus, we have meat that other people know not of because God speaks to us individually and we hear his voice. And the person who wrote the scriptures is in constant communication with us. And so if we have need of anything, we simply ask. And our Father gives us wisdom from above abundantly. Mm -hmm. And so in this generation, we are being perfected. Why are we being perfected? We're being perfected because God wants to put us in a perfect place. If we're not perfected, and we're put into a perfect place, that place becomes imperfect. Mm -hmm. So this is why God is wanting to perfect the church. Now, the perfection that God is talking about is a perfection of heart. Okay, we're not going to be perfect in body. We're not going to be perfect in mind. We're going to be perfect in our hearts Mm -hmm. and in our spirits towards God. Noah was found perfect in his generation. In that generation where the thoughts of men were continually evil, Until God repented that he had made mankind, he found Noah, who found grace in his sight. And Noah was perfect in his generation. Job was perfect in his generation. Enoch, before Noah, was perfect in his generation. He walked with God 360 years and was not, for God took him. He raptured him before he saw death. Why? Because he was that near God. His heart was perfect before God. And God took him out of this earth so he could be with him. That's God's original intention. God wanted everybody to be with him. Yes. So therefore, God is trying to perfect us through love, through his spirit, into a perfect man that's spoken about in the book of Ephesians, to the fullness and stature of Christ. What was the main attribute of Christ? Christ simply did what his father said and what he saw his father do. He was like the child who followed his father around being his apprentice in whatever he Mm -hmm. did. And that's what Jesus did. And Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren. He was the patterned son. He was the example that God gave to us of how he wants us to be. And what happened to Jesus? When Jesus had done the full will of God, he took him to heaven. Now Jesus's calling was amazing and so vitally important as the son of God is something that we can never hope to match in actual deed, but we can be like him in measure. In measure, yes. In our hearts, we can have that same attitude towards God that he had. And so we can be submitted to his father's spirit and listen to his voice and do his will on time whenever he wants to do it. And this is what God's going for in this generation. He's perfecting us through love. And that love is coming through the body of Christ. And that perfection comes 
from the inside out. It's our hearts and our spirits that are perfected first, like you exactly. said. And as we flow in our spirits and as we allow the Lord to overtake our hearts and flow in that love, which is in our hearts and our spirits, it starts to move outward to the rest of our body, to the rest of our mind, to the rest of our decision-making. And we start to see that our actions start to be commensurate with the amount of love and righteousness that we are walking in in our hearts and our spirits. We find that the things that used to entice us about sin just don't entice us anymore. The temptations we used to have to do certain things, the temptation's just not there anymore. We're moved by the Spirit of God. We're moved by the love of God that's in us. But it's an inside-out movement. None of us reaches perfect wholeness and completeness on this earth. But there is a perfection in us that is in our hearts and our spirits that will, little by little, as we allow it, consume all of us until we can become more and more and more like Christ was. But God has given us a free will, and he will not violate that free will. So if I feel a prompting of the Spirit in me to do something or say something, I have the choice to disobey that. And if I choose to, I can continue in a way of sin, and I can continue to resist the Spirit's moving and prompting. But it's the measure that God has given us and the measure that we allow him to work in us. That's what creates more and more perfection as we move along. And again, that's a foretaste of what we're going to be in the new heavens and the new earth without the resistance there that we have here because we're a sinful body and a sinful mind and a sinful heart that needs to learn to yield to the Spirit of God and needs to let go of our resistance to what he's trying to do and allow ourselves to flow in the fullness of what he has. Amen to that. The physical kingdom of God does not come until the new heavens and new earth. New Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven into the new heavens and new earth, that is the literal physical kingdom of God. Now, in this creation, the kingdom of God is within the hearts of men. That's right. It's not a building. It's not a location. It's a heart condition. And that is what God is going for. That is what he's trying to form in you. You're worthy to be God's son because Jesus died for you. That is the only reason that you can have access to the Father. His blood is so precious to God that when Jesus advocates for you before his throne, God says, sure, I'll do whatever you want me mm -hmm. to do. If you say, save Sally because she believed in you, no problem. Yeah. I mean, you made the ultimate sacrifice. You gave me what I needed to have to redeem the whole world. And so mm. your word is golden to me. Wow. And I will just do whatever you want me to do because I love you so much. You gave everything to me. I wanted the world back and you gave it to me. So, wow. hey, carte blanche. Yeah. Whatever you want, <laughs> I'm there. And Jesus advocates for us and he makes us holy, not because there's any good thing in us, but mm -hmm. because he's holy. And when his father fills us and overflows from us, what comes out of us? Holiness. Yeah, exactly. We are perfected not because we become good. It's because he is good. It's because God is good. And when God fills us and there's nothing left of us, we become holy because he is holy. That's right. And that's the foretaste of the new heavens and new earth, the righteousness that we're going to live in, the holiness that we will become. We have an opportunity right now to just yield to the Spirit of God and let him flow in us and through us and manifest the new heavens and new earth now in measure as much as people will allow and it can affect the world in powerful ways i'm not a person that watches the news but if i ever get a glimpse of it there's just fear and destruction just fear, and just yeah. horrible things going on all over the world 
we have the antidote for that. And it's not coming in politically or even religiously and changing everything. The antidote is the spirit of God and the love that is in us. The foretaste of the new heavens and new earth, the goodness, the righteousness, the love, the, the oneness with God. If we can manifest that in our bodies where we are at, we can start affecting change. We can start at least reaching the people around us with an example of peace, an example of joy, an example of satisfaction, love, contentment, abundance, righteousness, love. We can start demonstrating that to people, and that will be infectious to other people. People will want that. When people are running around with fear and they see someone who has hope, they want to know, why in the world are you so happy? What are you so hopeful about? Don't you know that the world is going to hell in a handbasket? Yeah, I know that, but I'm not. <laughs> There's a new heavens and a new earth coming for me, and it can come for you too, and we can start experiencing it now. We don't need to be concerned about what's happening right now. What we need to do is rescue as many people from that slide that's heading down toward that way as we can to bring them with us into that beautiful picture. Yeah, the problem with a lot of Christians when they're trying to witness to unsaved people is they're trying to sell them a doctrine. Yeah. Trying to sell them a belief system that they think is right. But really what impacts people is you got to show them, not just tell them. Yes. And when you're living in the abundance of God through his grace, when you are having the gifts of healing, the word of knowledge, prophecy, the discernment of spirits, the gift of miracles, and you demonstrate that to them because you are a member of a group of people that belongs to another place. Yeah. They say, okay, where do I sign up? How do I get what you got? There's, well, there's this person who's really nice. He's called Jesus, and he died for <laughs> you 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, and he shed his blood in your place because you are worthy of death. But he took that upon himself so that if you believe on him and confess him as the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, that you will be given the right to go to paradise and you'll be given all the right that i have to manifest the new heavens and new earth now that is a compelling message it really is i mean that is something that you don't gotta sell you just have to demonstrate it and this is what god did through jesus christ jesus christ didn't have to ask people to follow him he didn't have to cajole people into what he said was right he just had to demonstrate god and when he said tamitha rise and she did you didn't have to convince anybody that a miracle had just taken place that's right when jesus appeared on the water during the storm and got into the boat none of those disciples took any convincing i mean they were on board totally when jesus turned the water into wine his mother didn't need any convincing who he was yeah god is not a doctrine god is a person in fact, God is about a personal experience, a one-on-one -on -one happening between you and him. And there is no doctrine that will save you. What you need to do is simply allow God to fill you to overflowing and be a manifestation, a walking epistle, read and known of all men on this earth so they can see God. And once they really truly see God, people tend to really want him because mm -hmm. they were created for him. Exactly, yeah. You know? You don't have to convince them. You can't get rid of them. They'll follow you anywhere. They want to know. They're thirsty for reality. Another name for reality is God. This reality you think you have here on earth, that's a flimsy excuse for a cardboard tiger. 
It's not real. It has a form of reality. People are trying to tell you it's real. But only what God says is truly real, and everything else is a lie. That's right, and it's very counterintuitive to the way that we see the world. Because what Jesus said is the first will be last, and the last will be first. So that doesn't make any sense. That's not how this world works. The first is first, and the last is last. That's what we see as the reality. But Jesus says, no, you need to step out of what you see and step into the reality that comes from understanding God and the picture he wants to give us. When Jesus was on earth, he didn't violate the principle of free will any more than God does when he just allows us to yield to him as much as we want. Even though he was powerful and he demonstrated amazing things that proved he was God, he never twisted anybody's arm and tried to convince them to come with him. When he asked the rich young ruler to come follow him, he gave him one requirement. And when he said, no, I can't do that, Jesus didn't chase him. He didn't backpedal and say, okay, okay, maybe just sell half of what you have. Don't sell the whole thing. He just let him go. (laughs) When he made the statement to his multiple disciples about drinking his blood and eating his body, and so many of them went away, he didn't clarify what he meant. He didn't stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't go. I'm not talking about cannibalism. I'm talking about this new union with me and communion. He didn't do that. He wanted people to choose him as he spoke truth. And he lets us make that choice. But when we see him, we experience him, we watch him demonstrate to us in our own personal lives and in the lives of the people around us who he is and what he can do and how much he loves us, we're not going to be able to resist him. There's no arm twisting that is necessary. We'll see him and we'll want him and we'll want to be with him and want to know him more and more. Exactly. And it's an honest wellspring of gratitude and desire to know God. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something that we have to grind out. It's something that comes so naturally to us that we just want to run after it. And this is the thing that God is doing now on this earth. He's asking us to come with him to a better place. And he's preparing us now through his spirit so that we'll be ready to go there. Mm -hmm. No one who is not perfected will set foot on the new heavens and new earth. This is why when you're resurrected or when you're raptured, in a moment you receive a glorified body. Your body, the body you should have had if there'd been no sin, is restored to you. You look like you would have looked had there been no fault in creation. Right. You're impossibly beautiful. You're impossibly handsome. Everything works perfectly. Why? Because he's about to put you in a perfect place. (laughs) And he wants to keep that place perfect. And so he perfects you in your soul, in your heart, in your body, in your mind. You're a new creation. Why? Because he's going to put you in a new Mm -hmm. creation. And so like things go with like things. Exactly. So in a perfect creation, you have to be a perfect person. Mm -hmm. This is what God's doing. And it's a miracle. Because in and of ourselves, we have no ability to be perfect whatsoever. Yeah. We couldn't even manage perfect for a minute, let alone an eternity. But God, who is the God of the impossible, is working a miracle in our time. Mm -hmm. That if we have eyes and ears to hear we will see and we will know what the Spirit is doing in this generation. And we have an open invitation to be a part of it. All it takes is a submission to his will, listening to his voice, learning to hear his voice, moving by the way he moves us, doing what he asks us to do, and allowing him to speak through us. 
it's an open invitation to start stepping into the new earth and the new heavens and experiencing it now. There's nobody that doesn't want that perfection. It's within us that we know. The book of Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. We know there's more than this. We know that there's a, an eternal life. We know that things go on and that things are not as they should be right now. All of us can look at the world and just think this is not how things are supposed to be. We can feel that deep within us. This is not how things are supposed to be. When things go difficult and they're bad and there's pain and suffering, God's put that in our hearts to know that that is for us. But it's our choice whether or not we're going to accept that and receive that invitation and start stepping into that right now. Sometimes it gets discouraging to think, wow, that sounds like a wonderful place to live and I can't wait till I'm perfect and I can't wait till I live there and I can't wait till I'm not sick anymore. I can't wait till there's no more fighting. But the joy of what we're trying to tell you today is that that can start now. It starts when you allow the Holy Spirit to live in you, to embrace his love, to become one with him. Start to experiencing little by little a foretaste of those things and let that flow out of you to the people around you. Precisely. Flow out. Let God loose on the world and let him have his way. You know, we are bought with a price. We are not our own. God owns us because his son bought us. He redeemed us. It's like he, he went into the pawn shop of the devil where we were sitting on the shelf waiting to be burned. He says, I'd like that piece. Well, you're going to have to pay the price. Okay, mm. I will. And he pays the price and he grabs us and he takes us out of the pawn shop of the devil. And now we're his. He bought us. Whatever he wants to do with this is his business. And this is what we need to come to understand and accept. Our lives are not our own. Whatever you're doing now that is not of God is not right. He has the right to you because he's going to take you out of the pawn shop of the devil mm. and put you in a place so glorious and so perfect and so wonderful that you should just give everything to him without him even asking. Understand that in this generation, there is an acceleration of evil. The strong delusion that has come upon the world is now exponentially escalating because the devil knows what's coming. The body of Christ is forming as we speak. People are being individually touched by God and they're experiencing God and they're coming together they're coalescing into the body of Christ that will do the work of the ministry in these last days and individuals that hear this podcast the reason that you're hearing this is because mm -hmm. God wants to speak to you right now personally about what he wants to do in your life and Right now, the darkness is increasing, and it's increasing a lot faster than it was 50 years ago. And right now, what you need to do is get a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But how you do that, that is the question. Because what people have been doing thus far has been reading their Bible, they've been going to church three times a week, maybe they go to Bible college, maybe they go on a mission, maybe they volunteer for some extracurricular activity that the church wants to do down on Main Street, and they're not finding him. They're coming up short. It's not satisfying them the way they know in their heart they can be satisfied. Yeah. And that is because the way that God has chosen to manifest himself in this generation is through individual saints connecting to other saints. If you want to find God in this generation, you need to allow him to connect you with specific members of the body of Christ. Because like the burning bush in the wilderness that Moses saw, the burning bush of our generation is another person that is filled 
with Jesus that God desires to connect you with and to flow through to you. If you want to see God, you need to find that person or persons and allow God to supernaturally connect them with you and you with them. If that is where God is dwelling today, that in this generation is where you will find the God that you seek. You will not find him in denominationalism. You will not find him in the Catholic Church. You will not find him in a cave in some mountain. You will find him, another saint chosen of him for you. And they need you as much as you need them. Mm. And if you want the strong revelation that is necessary to see in this strong darkness, you will allow God to connect you supernaturally with another member of the body of Christ. It becomes so strengthening to your walk because there is so much confirmation through the person that God connects you to of what God is doing and saying. There is so much love that flows through that person to you. There's so much healing that you can receive. And there's a companionship that our hearts are designed to know. And a companionship with someone who is manifesting God to you and you're manifesting God to them, there's nothing else like it. And that's exactly the way that God wants us to flow. Sometimes it's hard to know for sure that we're hearing God and doing what he wants us to do. If we're just alone by ourselves in our prayer closet, we can hear the voice of God. We can know what he wants us to do. But when he connects us to someone and he flows through the two of us together, there's a unity and there's an understanding of what flows and what God desires because you both feel the same thing from the Spirit at the same time. And that's the beauty of it. It's support. It's encouragement. It's allowing God to confirm to you and speak to you and and use you. It's beautiful to be a vessel to someone else too, to know exactly what they need and to meet them at their need as God flows through you. It's the way that God has designed to manifest his love on this earth. And that's exactly what he wants to do. When Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples because of the love that you have one for another. That can't just be a normal earthly love. It can't just be the love that you just see in your everyday church. It's got to be a profound supernatural love that the world can't find anywhere else. Otherwise, how could they identify it with just Christians? If we love the way the world loves and we're kind the way the world is kind, people aren't going to associate us with being Jesus's disciples, but if we love the way that he gives us to love, with the connections he gives us and with the power that flows out of that, people are going to look at us and go, whoa, what's up with you guys? And that's exactly how God wants to manifest himself, and that's what Jesus prayed for. We are living in an amazing time where God is going to flood his people with supernatural revelation. These revelations will not have to come from a prophet. They'll not have to come from an apostle. They'll not have to come from a TV show or (laughs) church or a minister of any kind, there'll be direct downloads into your spirit from God's spirit. And you will know God personally in a way that is not possible for anybody who goes to denominational church. The way that God has called us is to be individually led by his Holy Spirit and connected as a body, but in his way. You know, being self-willed and doing the things that you think is good is going to get you into hell. It's going to get you into a place where you can't hear God because you're hearing yourself. There can't be two voices in your head. There has to be one voice, and that voice has to be the Holy Spirit. And everything else that you are and what you think and what you want to do has to be submitted to Him. If you're going around doing what you think is good, your own life, your own kingdom, you are not available to do His will. And doing His will is all that matters in these latter days. Being available to do what God wants you to do, to be where God wants you to be, to be connected 
to the very person that God wants you to be connected with. That's all that matters. Everything else is superfluous. It's ridiculous even to give your time to it because it's all going to burn up. It's all going to pass away. You're not taking that to heaven. Only those things that you have done that are worthy of Christ mean anything in eternity. Everything else is forgotten as a bad dream and you won't even remember it. Submit to God. I'm not telling you to submit to me. I'm not telling you to submit to any minister. I'm telling you to submit to the head guy who knows everything. And nothing you have now, nothing that you think is important and necessary for your need is more necessary than God's need. God's need is always the perfect need and the need that needs to be met right now. And you need to trust that God will meet your needs in the act of doing his will. The path that God chooses is the only path you should be on. If you have self-will that you're doing your own thing and calling it God, it doesn't wash. And meantime, all the good that God wanted you to do in him, through him, by him, is left undone or left to somebody else to do and get the benefit from. Yeah, and the benefit is the key. We tend to be self-willed because we think we know what's best for us and we want what's good and we want what feels good and we want to be blessed. And so we pursue the blessings thinking we know how to get there. But you quoted that scripture that Jesus spoke, which was seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So while we're off pursuing our own will, God is giving what he planned to give us to someone else and they're reaping the benefits of that. Seeking him first and his will is always going to lead to the most abundant blessings packed down to the point where there's no space for any more blessings. That's another picture of the manifestation of the new earth. There's everything that we need. There's abundance, there's blessing, there's yeah, exactly. peace, there's joy, there's love. Everything we need comes to us in fullest measure when we are seeking his kingdom and pursuing what he wants for us first. That's precisely the case. And you are the only one that I'm talking to right now. There's nobody else but you and I. And you are hearing the word of God as he is speaking to you directly. And you know it in your heart because it's affecting your spirit. And there's just a knowledge that this is true. And God's calling you to be a part of the Bride of Christ. This move of tabernacles is what God is calling to you. But it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your present life and what you're doing. It's going to cost you your reputation in church. It's going to maybe cost you part of your family. It will cost you where you live and what you do for a living. It will cost you. There's no doubt about that. But as it is in heaven, is worth it as it is in heaven, is so much beyond what you're going to give up. It cannot even be compared. Mm, that's right. Jesus gave up everything, including his life, to do the will of God. And God exalted him above everyone else, made him the chief, made him sit on his right hand, put all things under his feet. Why? Because of obedience. Mm. He obeyed the voice of his father, even though it made absolutely no sense to his natural man. He prayed in the garden of Gethsemane and asked if this cup can pass from me, please allow it to do so. And there was no other way. And so he gave himself. He died on the cross for you. He obeyed his father in the face of insurmountable odds to purchase something so valuable God calls it salvation. And he wants you to do the same. He wants you to come to Jesus he wants you to hear his voice and he wants you to take the path that he has for ordained for you. 
Don't keep doing what you're doing. It's not working for you. It's not getting you where you want to be in God. You got to humble yourself and just say, you know, I messed up. I remember when God called me out of Bible college. Four credits from a four-year degree. And God called me to a different path. And I could not believe that he was doing that. And I looked at what he was asking me to do. And I said, well, okay, I know your voice. And so if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And that is the thing that led to everything else. This is why I'm talking to you on a podcast today. This is why I have even something to say. Because God has been teaching me all these years because I actually yielded to his will. And I had to make a choice. Was it God or was it the approval of man? And I can tell you from 35 years of experience, the approval of God is a lot better than the approval of man. I don't even remember most of their names. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I do remember Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I do remember Yahweh. And so whatever God is calling you to give up right now so you can follow him is very small in comparison to the rewards that he's going to give you in the world to come. And you'll actually be useful in his kingdom when you start doing his will on a daily basis. Yeah. Amen. What difference does it make what we accumulate, what we accomplish on this earth if it's not in line with his will? Because it'll all be dissolved by the time we get to step into the new heavens and the new earth and we won't have anything with which to earn a crown by because we've done everything according to the way we want to do it. Amen. Well, thank you once again for (laughs) reaching the end of the podcast. You're an intrepid soul. And we're going to give you another gold star to add to your amazing collection of gold stars. You know, if you were in kindergarten, you'd be at the top of your class because you'd have so many gold stars. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what I like about doing this podcast is that when I'm talking to you, I also get revelation too. Mm -hmm, New revelation, fresh revelation. Mm -hmm. And God shows me things that I haven't known. So... There's a real benefit for letting God just talk to you because you learn while other people learn too. Exactly. It's very true. I want to pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask that those who've listened to this word that you've spoken today will take it deeply into their hearts and their souls and their minds and let it do a good work. Let it change them. Not because it's reasonable, not because it's acceptable, but because it's simply your word. They know your voice. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you'll give them courage to do the will of their Father and to go where God wants them to go and be what you want them to be so that they can call the sons and daughter of the Most High. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that's all we have time for this week on God's Love Club. We appreciate your attendance and we ask you to come back next week for another good word of God. You have a blessed week. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.